So, welcome to episode 23, but technically episode 3. 3 of season 2. We are M and D of La Petite Mort Pod, where we talk about all things taboo between from sex to death and everything in between. And today we have a really, really fun guest. We have Erin from the Millennial Mortician Instagram page and a variety of funeral homes that she works at. Super cool person. Um, talking to us today and we're just so, so excited. A funeral director, green burial, yeah. makeup on dead people. I'm so excited. I'm so, so, so excited. <laughs> so say hello. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hi, my name's Erin. I'm the Millennial Mortician. I'm a licensed funeral director and embalmer. I work in New York State um, and a green burial advocate. Uh, currently working on becoming a certified end-of-life doula as well. So, yeah. So cool. Just like all, all up in death care. Just all up in there. I love Seriously. I love that. So we've got a question. So we like to start off by really getting right in there with our guests and with each other, honestly. Um, so M, take it away. Okay, so our question of the day is from the movie Insidious to Beetlejuice, how has your experience in death care been being a young millennial? Um, I would say closer to Beetlejuice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay, cool. All right. Yeah, All right. definitely. Not um, maybe, about that. So... You know, I, I think a lot of people, like, people's imaginations run wild, so they always think, like, my work is, like, really, really gruesome and gross, but it, it, it can be, like, it can be kind of, um, I guess visceral might be the, the word, okay. that's a good word, visceral, but it's a lot of fun too and um and I I deal a lot with helping people like I feel like I spend so much time like dealing with dead people I spend way more time dealing with living people okay um yeah that's really cool okay I love that and it kind of like gives people a better insight to what exactly yeah. what you do right so it's not all like macabre and like very like scary so it seems like you wear lots and lots of hats which is really really cool and um, as a funeral death care professional, green burial advocate, what drew you to working in this industry? What brought you here? Well, it was a combination of things. Um, you know, I had some life experiences that kind of brought me face to face with funerals. And I, I just realized like how much stuff I didn't know, which I don't want to say it made me angry, but it was like frustrating. Like, everyone is going to have to go through this at some point. Like everyone's going to die. Everyone's going to deal with death. And yet I had no clue how to deal with it. You know, like life had not given me the tools to process this. And I, I wanted to learn about it. And I wanted to get to a point where I could share my education with other people who found themselves like in a similar position of sort of being scared, sort of being confused, not knowing how to deal with it. So that's kind of what took me into this field, learning about death care, becoming a licensed funeral director. So what uh, education did you have to do? Well, it, it depends. So um, in the U.S., the law is very state by state. Um, and New York State is a little bit stricter than some. Um, you can get an associate's degree. I actually got a bachelor's because I already had my associates. So I got a bachelor's degree in funeral service administration from uh, State University of New York. 
and I went on to pass the national board exams. Um, then I had a one-year residency, which was sort of like an apprenticeship, and uh, took the state law exam for New York State, and then I was licensed. So all in all, it took about four years, probably, for like from start to finish. And the whole time I was also um, interning at a funeral home, you know, trying to get my bearings because there's a lot of stuff that you don't learn in school, so it's really important to get some, like, in-the-field education while you're going through all of this. That's awesome. And kind of, like, get your foot in the door, too, right? To kind of, like, exactly. Once you're done, like, after school so you can get right. going. Yeah, if you go you know, door to door to funeral homes to say like, hey, I'm thinking about becoming a funeral director. Can I job shadow here? It makes it a lot easier to get your residency. Uh, And a lot of students that I went to school with um, didn't wind up finishing the program or getting their license because they couldn't find a place that would take them on as someone who was starting their residency. They're thinking, you don't have any experience. Who are you? I don't know who you are. So yeah it worked out really really well for me I got extremely lucky I work at a great place that's awesome I love that okay um all right so what does your typical day look like being a funeral director or in preparing for a funeral uh so I mean it's hard to say what my days are like because they're so different It, it really keeps you on your toes the work um it's really unpredictable uh like you know, for example, um, so I'm not on call this weekend, but I still see everything coming in, and I know that we've gotten about four death calls. So that indicates to me I'm probably going to be sitting down with the family tomorrow, making arrangements when I go into work. So I'll probably schedule services for like Thursday or Friday. Okay. So tomorrow will be arrangements, and then the few days after that will be like calling clergy, calling the cemetery, filing the death certificate, writing the obituary, and then, you know, Thursday or Friday, running the actual service. Okay. And then in between that, you know, we might get other calls. So I might have to see another family. I might have to um, go to a house to remove somebody. Um, you know, so it's, it's really all over the place. Like I could never go back to a desk job. I like how (laughs) exciting it is because I, I, you know, from one minute to the next, I could be doing a total 180. Like I could be sitting at my desk writing an obituary and then a death call comes in and I have to go to a house and bring someone into our care at the funeral home and I might have to embalm them or, you know, do cosmetics on somebody. So it's all over the place. But that's exciting, though, right? Yeah, like it is. It totally is. Like yeah. It just keeps you on your toes, and it seems like it keeps you, like, really invested in the work that you do, right? When, it when does, you don't yeah. have that predictability. So you're kind of going into work being like, I don't know exactly what today's going to bring, but it, that's exciting. But so, that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to cool. give it my all. Totally exactly. engaged. 100%. Yeah. I love that. What's um, your favorite part about the job? My favorite part, I mean... There's, I mean, there's kind of like levels to that, right? Like my favorite thing to do is um, cosmetizing. I love cosmetizing people, probably because I just like doing makeup. Like I like doing my own makeup too. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think overall, like from an emotional standpoint, my favorite part is just helping people. Like when I have a family who says, you made this so easy or you made us feel so comfortable or you made mom look so good, like that knowing that I made this awful experience just a little bit less awful for them is without a doubt my favorite part of the job. It's the it's the reward for all the stress, all the sleepless nights, all the um, like paperwork and red tape and bureaucracy. It makes it all worth it. 
what is the so that's kind of like your favorite parts what are the your least favorite or the most difficult parts of your job well there's levels to that too (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, I think the worst thing about my job is probably the schedule um you know no one likes being on call like Mm -hmm. I get woken up at 3 a.m sometimes and I hate it but it's part of the job um I think the hardest thing about my job like like not the worst thing but the toughest thing to deal with is, Mm -hmm. is definitely the pressure okay um you know this is if if you're helping a family plan services for their mom this is the only funeral service they're ever going to get for her. Yeah. And if it's not perfect, that sucks. But, you know, funeral directors are people, and they're not always going to be perfect. 100%, yeah. So it, it, it is hard. There's definitely, you know, I don't just get sleepless nights because I'm on call. Sometimes I get sleepless nights because I'm stressed out. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no, what if I ruin this? Um, and then other things that are difficult, people always ask about, like, children, and that is really difficult. Really, oh, any young or like um like sudden death is 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 hard because that family is going through a lot obviously there's a lot of grief um so that is hard emotionally for me but it's also more pressure and it's harder to communicate with them because their brains aren't working yeah because they're literally shut down from grief right exactly exactly for sure so that makes the job harder um and it also makes it like difficult for me to to have to like watch that Mm -hmm. Um, just and just feel awful for them yeah absolutely it takes a huge emotional toll for sure for sure okay so with that being said how do you not bring that home how do you keep your mental health really grounded and with all of that energy in the death industry um well it's it it's hard not to bring things home, especially when, like, you're you're available 24-7 as a yeah. funeral director, you know? I mean, even if I'm not on call, I could get a call from a family, you know, right now. Someone could call me and say, like, oh, we need this or we need that or, um, you know, the headstone's not done. We need more death certificates. Um, so you do always kind of bring your work home with you, but I think it's more about not bringing it into your, your mental or your emotional state. Okay. If that makes sense. Like, I try to make space. Um, I think that's part of why young people are so difficult, because it's much more, um, like, close to me. Yeah. Um, versus having someone older pass away, I'm not so used to that. But, like, it's just about creating space um, and trying to make it so that you aren't feeling exactly what they're feeling. So you almost put a wall up. Yeah. really you have to it um, seems. like you want to be compassionate but you and you want to sympathize but you don't want to empathize yes. you don't want to take all that grief into yourself 100%. um and then I also I have a lot of like really I call them passive hobbies it's stuff that doesn't require too much like time or energy on my part because so much of that goes into serving families so like I'm a plant mom which requires me to water my plants every Tuesday okay uh so it's super easy, but I get a lot of joy out of it. Absolutely. It's stuff like that. You know, take a yoga class when I can. I meditate for like 10 minutes every morning. It's not a huge time investment, but it helps a lot and it makes me feel better. Um, so those are kinds of the things that like really 
put me in the right place and remind me that I also need to like care for myself 100%. On, on top of my work. Yeah. Do you ever get time off off like where you like are on a vacation and nobody's going to pester you for a whole week? Uh, I tr- I've tried. It doesn't usually work out. Okay. <laughs> it's funny. Actually, it's funny you ask that. Um, today is the third. I've had the last three days where I told everyone I'm not looking at my phone. So don't bother reaching out to me. And it went pretty well. Um, but the first time I ever tried it was a couple of years ago. And I took four days off. And I actually, I had met a family like a week prior. They wanted to wait to have all the services. Um, so I met with them. And then the services were going to happen like another like two weeks after I got back from vacation. So I was like, I'm good. And I spent the entire vacation having the son was calling me there's something wrong with the obituary did you find the right song that I wanted you know did the clergy call you back um so sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't um but I do I do try but at the same time it's like you know someone's mom or dad or brother passed away of course I'm going to take the call you know they're they're going through something that I can't even imagine what they're going through so I might as well be there for them. Yeah. That's really, like, really, like, I forget, I can't find the word, but that is just one, like, you just, it's so amazing. You're just amazing. That's all I can say. So. Yes, you are. That's yeah. really great. Agree <laughs> um, to take a compliment. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Well, it just, you sound, like, very mindful of the families that you work with. And, like, very sympathetic. And that's, I think, exactly what people are looking for when it comes to somebody who's planning a huge event for them in their life, right? Yeah. So like a funeral and or a wake or whatnot. Yeah. I think what I think where that mindset comes from, because I didn't always have that, uh, you know, you don't... Nothing, no job's ever like what you think it's going to mm-hmm. be like. Um, but I had a mentor who told me, he, I remember this so vividly, he said to me, And I think I was, like, kind of grumpy that day or something. He said, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter if you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. You know, whatever you've got going on, you need to leave it at the door because it's nothing compared to what they're going through. For sure. You know, so your job is to serve the family and to kind of forget about yourself, which is really not very healthy. (laughs) It's not. (laughs) Which is why I I love my plants so much (laughs) because it's like... I'm doing something for myself. Yeah. Um, and my days aren't about that, which I'm okay with. Um, like, I, I think I prefer it that way. I'm definitely an introverted person. I don't like a lot of attention on myself. So in some ways, it's kind of nice. But also, like, sometimes you should pay more attention to yourself. Yeah. So. It's trying to find that balance. And it seems like it might be a little bit difficult in, like, the the job position that you're in. But, I mean, it sounds like you definitely try to take time to practice mindfulness for yourself and, and do the best that you can, right? Which is all you can really do. So Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just got to do the best you can for yourself. Yeah. And, you know, also try to take care of other people at the same time. Sure. And it's a lot. And sometimes you drop the ball. But as long as you try, you're doing your best. Yeah, and that's exactly. okay. I love that. Okay. Good. Um, what are some common misconceptions that people have around funerals and funeral directors and morticians? That's a really long question. You could start with just funerals and then about funeral directors and morticians. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's a long question, but, like, I could talk about hours to this. <laughs> um, <laughs> because it's, it, it, it 
hits home because they do deal with it so much. And I, I feel bad for families who come in not knowing anything. And that's why I got into this, right? It's because mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to share education with people and give them maybe a little bit more insider knowledge so that they could deal with this easier. Um, the funny thing about it is that people's imaginations can be so much worse than reality. I've had families who, like, came in and they're like, what did you do with mom's organs? Like, I I didn't do anything with them. They're still in there. Like, they, people, I've had people who thought that, like, part of embalming is removing organs, and it isn't. I don't take, they just stay. They're just, they're in there. She's all there. Um, the only time, like, organs get taken out is because of autopsies, and then they get put back anyway. So, you know, people's minds can rest easy on that one. Um, I had someone who came in and, and brought clothes in for mom for me to, for me to put on her mom and she said I know you don't normally put pants on people but these are mom's favorite pants um do you mind putting them on I said, of course we put pants on people <laughs> you think we only partially dress people things like that like sometimes you don't know where stuff comes from and it, it really puts into perspective as an insider where all of these misconceptions come from I have no idea but I, I wish I'm glad people are comfortable enough to ask yeah but it's just where do they where do they come from you know and I I think it goes down to people's imaginations can be so much worse than reality um which is part of why I think we need to be better about educating people about the specifics you know I think there should be less secrecy in the field absolutely yeah there is a lot of secrets in the funeral field like in that like there totally are. It's it's crazy to me, um, and I th- I actually think a lot about where it comes from, and it pains me to say I think a lot of it is from funeral directors who don't want to share information, and I don't know if it's because they're scared of telling people what really goes on about you know like the embalming process. Like they don't want to share that information because. They don't want to make people uncomfortable or they don't want people to say that's gross don't do that or even if it comes from like a like a place of ego of like I went to school to learn this so I'm not just going to tell you how it works yeah like their tricks the trade or whatever yeah, yeah exactly and I you know I don't know for sure where it comes from but it is super sad that yeah. people don't have a better education well, I think, too, like, whenever I talk death with, like, say, my, my mom's a boomer, like, um, or, <laughs> but that, of that age group, like, if even just discussing death in, like, certain capacities, they're like, why, why do you want to talk about this? Like, why, why, like, this is too, too um, taboo, or this is, like, we don't talk about this. Like, this is yeah, just... Yeah, for sure. Yeah, my like, grandma this, calls me sick. Yeah. Like, you're sick. Why do you want to talk about it? Yeah. Why do you think this is yeah. interesting? And I'm like... Um, it's like the only thing guaranteed to us, Grandma. So like, yeah, and then yeah, exactly. Everybody. Yeah, right. Gosh. Yeah, death denial, death exactly. denial. That's where it comes. People don't want to talk about it. Mm. Um, but I think our generation, like millennials and generations younger than us, are much more comfortable, and I don't know why, but I love it. Me, yeah, me too. Exactly. Well, and I think maybe it's just gone on for too long, right? Like it's gone on so long. We want to know what's happening, and like 
you know, I think about like a time when my mom dies, for example, like I want to be part of preparing her body. I want to be part of all of these things mm-hmm. because yeah. they're allowed to be, but like people Absolutely. just aren't and that's really fucked up. <laughs> and it's just like, Definitely. they just trust this random stranger as they should because, you know, years very of education, qualified. very qualified, but... <laughs> But I mean, it's like, okay, you just hand them over and like, there you go. And there's no closure. And this is why people have mental health. And this is why, like, there's so many factors to this, right? Yeah. Problems, problems dealing with grief, I think, stem from death denial, from people not being a part of funeral services or preparing. That's how we used to do it. Yeah. 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 Right? That's how all funerals were a long time ago. And you kind of feel like it got like stolen a little bit, like this right to help with your loved one's funeral, like where did it go? I, I don't know. I know. And like, if you asked, like, it's almost like I've had, um, like I work in, in death care too, in a different kind of industry. But when people ask, it's like, almost like this, like, ew, why would you want that? Or why would yeah. you want to be there for the cremation? Why would you want to dress your mom or bathe her? Why would you want to do these things? And it's like, well, why the heck not? Like that's, that's how yeah. you're going to process it. That's how your conscious like knows that the person's, their, their, their shell is gone. Yeah, it's a tangible thing. It's so tangible, yeah. And it's like, then you really can make peace with that, right? And that you did everything you could right up until the time she went in the ground or she was, you know, cremated. And it's almost like extra time with your loved one too. You know, like even though their soul isn't there, like you're spending time and saying goodbye yeah. During this process. Yeah, and right? I think it just really helps your kind of like psyche. Like I don't know. I've, that's I think. Like, oh, at least. for sure. We're oh, among friends sure. here. Okay, Erin's <laughs> here. We're among friends. She understands. We have this whole like inner dialogue that we share, and we're like, ah, what's wrong? With you? <laughs> no, I totally, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, I see a lot of. No one's the same, right? But I see a lot of families who it's one way or the other. Like, they either want to spend, like, four or five hours with the person after they pass away or they want them gone. Like, get them out of here. They're dead. We don't want to see them. And to me, you know, I don't judge anybody, mm-hmm. but it it makes me sad that you can't spend some time to be with your mother's body which some people think is gross, but just, just so you're, like you said, like your brain can process it, like mm-hmm. just process it, you know, be here mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and, and try to get comfortable because this is a totally natural thing. It, you know, this is a very sacred part of life, I think is, is death and dying. And if we can't be comfortable or at least accept that it's real, we're not going to have a good grief journey. Yes, mm-hmm. you know yeah. it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna turn into like some sort of darkness. It's gonna eat you up, Absolutely. and you're gonna feel guilt, and then you're gonna spend way too much money on the funeral. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Wow. So, um, I there's one piece of funeral um, directorship and whatnot that I have lots of questions about, and I I okay. need I need the dirty deets. Yay! I really do. Okay. I need the dirty deets on embalming. Okay. Personally, Em and I are very strong believers in green burials, so we kind of, my brain goes to that, and I'm like, well, I'm not having it anyways, but this has been going on for many years, and I know that lots of people still want to be embalmed for various reasons, and it's totally, you know, good for them, and that's, if that's their their journey, that's their journey. Right. But I need, I need to know, I need to (laughs) know the things, because my only experience has been my my YouTube searching and also TV, (laughs) which probably isn't the most accurate. So, what is... Which TV have you been watching? Well, right now I'm obsessed with Six Feet Under, the show. Okay, all right, perfect, all right. Yes, so (laughs) 
I know. I'm like, and you haven't watched it. You I have to watch to. it. It's so good. It's a great show. Um, it's a really great show. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I know it's from like 2003, but I'm obsessed. So, um, and I'm going to rewatch it again and again. And, but I need to know like what that embalming process is like, um, how it works and kind of, um, yeah, like how, what do you like start to finish? Like kind of walk me through what it's like. Okay. All right. So I'm going to spend a lot of time on this. And then if it's too much time, you just, you can just edit it out. Um. <laughs> it won't be. Go well, on. we can do like a two part, so, like interview. It'll be fine. Okay. Sure. <laughs> two part interview. Um, so start to finish, right? So, yeah. so I'm in the, we call it the care center. A lot of people might call it the prep room or like the morgue, but I'm, I'm in this room where the embalming happens. And is it cold? And it, it is. Um, in the winters, we, like, will not turn the heat on in there, and in the summers, we'll blast the AC. We like it a little chilly. I don't, I don't like it, but it's better for the for the people that are in there. It, it does tend to help a bit. Okay. So, so we're for in the, the bodies cold. or for the, for the living people? Well, for the bodies. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, no. Um, so start to finish. So we're, we're in, we're in the care center. The person's on the stretcher. I'm going to pull them on to the table. So it might be porcelain. It might be a stainless steel table. I'm going to pull them onto the table. I'm going to get them at least mostly undressed and give them a little bit of a bath. And then I'm going to do what's called setting their features. Um, and so that's when we close the mouth and we close the eyes. Um, we'll disinfect their face. You know, clean their ears, um, trim their nose hairs, and there's a lot of different ways to set features. So some people might um, do one of the sutures that we can do. I, I tend to use the needle injector to wire the jaw shut, and then I will place some cotton, usually just to keep so their lips don't just like fall flat, put a little bit of cotton, and then place plastic eye caps and they have sort of these little teeny tiny prongs on them that stop the eyelids from sort of like slipping up okay and they also keep the shape of the eye so actually um after people have been deceased for a while your eyeballs actually deflate a little bit kind of like um like an aluminum balloon like if you press on it you can sort of push into it and then it'll stay eyeballs are sort of like that after a little while okay okay so we place the eye caps so that the eyes sort of keep that rounded shape And then once their features are set, they're nice and clean, um, I'll make an incision. There's six areas where you can inject somebody, and sometimes you'll need to use all of them if someone isn't getting what we call good distribution of the fluid. Um, So you can do the femoral, which is in the upper thigh, the carotid, which is a little bit above the collarbone. Um, Those are the two main ones. That's right there. Or um, the axillary, which is actually in the armpit. Um, So, like, if someone isn't getting good distribution to their hand and you're shooting in the carotid, you can can just pull that artery as well. But what you're going to do is you're going to make an incision. I usually use the carotid. So it would probably, normally on the right side, you'll make an incision and you'll pull the carotid, the artery, and you'll pull the jugular vein. And what you're gonna, yeah, what you're gonna do is, you're gonna insert. Um, I call it a cannula. Different people call it different things, but it's a little metal tube, and it's hooked up to the embalming machine, and you inject embalming fluid into the artery, okay. and that's gonna push all of the blood out, and it's gonna come out the vein. Okay. So 
embalming fluid um you know people always say like embalming fluid or they say formaldehyde embalming fluid is really just a combination of formaldehyde um humectants which are like tissue plumpers they fill up the cells and make the, the skin nice and plump and you know moist looking like soft um and surfactants which help us get blood clots out because they're slippery so they push you know sometimes someone has a blockage um from you know plaque buildup in in their vessels or lots of blood clots that's going to help get all that out and then dyes um to keep that skin color kind of natural looking that's so cool so after we inject um, you know, we, we, we close the person up and then we'll make a small incision on the abdomen, um, two inches above and two inches to the left of the belly button. Sorry, I'm picturing it. My That's head. Okay. <laughs> um, so in that incision, we, what we do is we aspirate the organs because there might be fluid in the organs, um, especially the stomach. You know, and there's a lot of bacteria in there that are that's really going to accelerate decomposition. That's really where a lot of decomposition happens early on is is in the stomach and the intestines. So we try to get all of that out, and then we inject an extremely strong um, preservative fluid into the organs as well. Okay. How do you? Um, is it the cannula that goes in the stomach? No, that's the trocar. Okay. And yeah. um, how far are you putting it in? Like, how long is it? Um, it's, it's pretty long. I would say, oh, I don't, I'm, I'm not was, good with measurements. I was doing so, this and she was like, like she, no, yeah, I was doing like up, little, I'm like two up. inches and she's doing like, oh, like an arm's oh. length. <laughs> like an arm's yeah. length. Yeah, it's about an arm's length. Yeah, I would say so because you do want to be able to get up into the lungs. So is it sucking or is it pushing in? It, it sucks. Okay, so yeah. you're... So it's, it, we call it aspirating, but what it does is it, it sucks out all the fluids um, and, you, you know, any blood maybe you didn't get to, okay. that's going to come out too, um, you know, through the heart. Does it smell? And then, um, it depends on where you are in the body, but yeah. Okay. A lot of the time when you go into the intestines, which again is one of those places we, we really want to get as much out as we can because there's a lot of bacteria in there and that's going to make the preservation. I mean, you can completely destroy an embalming. You know, you think you did everything right in terms of putting preservative fluid into the vessels, but if you don't put preservative fluid into the stomach, it, it might not matter. Okay. It could, yeah. So, um, are you going into each organ or are you just holding it there and it's just sending like everything into everything? No, no, you're going to try to get to every organ. Yeah. So absolutely. you're like a so, surgeon for the dead. <laughs> I, I, no, <laughs> I don't want to discredit what surgeons do. They, um, they're much more like, I can't suture as well as a surgeon. I, I don't need to, um, <laughs> but we do have to study anatomy in school because you do need to know where all the blood vessels you need to understand how they work um, what goes where what's in charge of what because say you didn't get this the left hand you need to know where you can go to get fluid to the bottom part of the left hand okay um do you think that practice this a lot like this sounds so hard 
it is hard, and um, you do get to practice in school. Um, it, much like metal, medical school, we do get bodies specifically for students to oh. practice embalming on so that they have at least some knowledge before they start working in a funeral home. And then, again, you have that one-year residency. Oh, right. um, okay. And you spend a lot of, of that time in the care center or the prep room, whatever you want to call it, um, working with licensed funeral directors sort of getting more comfortable doing this and it is terrifying when you first start you're like I'm gonna mess this up and she's gonna look terrible um but you get better at it just just like with anything and I mean I'm with you I don't want to be embalmed um I want a green burial but for some people it's really important that someone look their best Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. however they define their best and as kind of gross as embalming can be and um you know i think a lot of cultures would consider it extremely undignified um there's a lot of families that we serve that find a lot of value in it and so i'm gonna do it if that's what it takes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. absolutely and so this is part of kind of the second question to follow okay. that is this is part of an open casket do you have to be embalmed to have an open casket legally no okay um, it's, it's a complicated question because the, the laws can, are kind of a gray area. Um, some, some states in the U.S. will say that a person either needs to be embalmed or refrigerated within 24 hours. Um, but a lot of the time, if a funeral home is telling a family that if you want an open casket viewing, you're going to need to be embalmed. A lot of the time, that's the funeral home's policy. And you can understand why they might have that policy because a lot of the time, families take a really long time to get everything organized. You know, like I said, I've waited weeks before for a family to come in from out of state or for them to get everyone on the same page. You're not going to want to wait that long if you're not embalming. But if you're thinking within two or three days after someone's passed away and now you want to see them, personally, I think that's fine, um, especially if you can refrigerate them. Um, but how everyone decomposes is is completely different. So it's a case-by-case, case, but I don't think you should have to be embalmed for an open casket. Okay, but you would recommend that it's sooner than later then? Sooner than later, absolutely. You <laughs> yeah. don't want to wait two weeks to, after she's passed away to, to see mom. <laughs> right, right. Gotcha. Is that, what would be the first stage then of, um, that would be noticeable decomposition usually? It, well, it, again, it depends on everybody. Um, but typically? You know, typically after a few days, even in the cold care center, you probably going to notice a little bit of a smell and that is going to be that abdominal area the bacteria in there is starting to break down whatever was in your stomach your stomach um, your intestines because you're no longer alive your cells aren't alive so your cells are being broken down by bacteria and they're also breaking down on their own cells are um, autolytic so they're structured to if they're no longer alive just start decomposing all on their own you're also going to notice A lot of the time, bodies start to, um, it's weird. Sometimes people's fingers will bloat. Um, They'll get a little bit purpley. Sometimes they'll sort of dry out. 
Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so they get really, really wrinkly, and they get kind of purple. Um, some bodies will almost, like, sweat a little bit. Like, if you touch them, their hands feel kind of moist. Um, and then if you, like, rub their hands, you might get, like, a little bit of skin. Not, like, a big strip of skin, but just, like... I don't know how to describe it. It's it's um, like if you like rubbed a wet paper towel and then you and get like little, little like after a sunburn, little white fluffy. Like you get that like oh, yeah, yeah, totally like after a sunburn. Yep. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so then, how do you prepare for an open casket? All right. So um, we always start by uh, dressing and casketing people. Right. So maybe it's been a couple of days. We might give them another bath. Okay. And then whatever clothes the family's brought in, we'll dress them in those clothes and um, we'll place them in their casket or, you know, if, if the family maybe doesn't even want a casket, we can do it on a table too. That doesn't happen too often, but I've had it done. Okay. Once they're in their casket, um, typically is when I do the cosmetics and I use like drugstore makeup. I don't use like, they have like funeral director makeup. I don't like it. I think it's too thick and gross. Okay. So um, I use makeup like how I use it on myself. I'll just do like some foundation um, to get color back if mm-hmm. maybe they don't have like normal color. A little bit of blush. Maybe some light mascara, some light lipstick. If it's a lady, I'll, I'll paint her nails. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nothing crazy about, about getting someone ready for an open casket. Um, I always kind of felt like just like how you do makeup on yourself, you know, you don't, if people can't tell you're wearing makeup, then you did a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Like that, I, I like to have the same approach. I don't like making like, you know, they don't need like crazy blush or anything. Yeah. You just want someone to look really natural. And um, and then we'll do their hair. Maybe they had a professional that they wanted to come and do their hair. Maybe I do it, go off of a picture, do my best. Um, but a lot of the time, anyone especially older people who have been in a nursing home for a really long time and and maybe haven't been able to you know spend time working on themselves or if their family you know hasn't seen them in a little while they're gonna look good no matter what at least you know compared to after having been in a nursing home or on hospice or in a hospital for a really long time okay they they look better they look better in a long time yeah right exactly yeah yeah okay and um, so what, what is the, um, for not using the makeup that's provided, why do you find just regular makeup better? So a lot of the time the mortuary cosmetics are very thick. Um, and I don't, I think, honestly, I think that's because, I don't want to assume who designed this makeup, but the funeral field has been extremely male-dominated for pretty much its entire existence. So I assume men created this makeup yeah, probably and I would not put this on my face it's like cakey and it's weird colors I just find I'm more comfortable with the kind of makeup I use on myself yeah um and I think it looks more natural mm-hmm. yeah that's for what sure. it comes down to do you find yeah. that um there's like difficult cases basically like say they had like a skin condition or sure. like something kind of happened or their ear ripped off or Come on, something be a little more aggressive <laughs> their ear got ripped off they had nose cancer I don't know or they like had like a she was trying to be so nice skin condition yeah, my I ass they looked gnarly okay. okay they looked I like a bird touched their I, face I, <laughs> Come on. I appreciate the attempt 
case on your hands like somebody came in and they either had like a really bad accident or something really jarring happened to their face like do you find that then the the thicker like makeup would basically help you in that case since it's thicker or do you still find alternate ways to use a more natural makeup look hey I definitely have had to use the mortuary cosmetics okay um but I still, I can't think of a single case where I didn't use at least a little bit of, like, what I call, like, normal people makeup. Okay. Like, just okay. the over-the-counter stuff. But, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I think probably some of the worst cases I've ever had were were car accidents or, okay. you know, some, some type of vehicular accident. And in those instances, you are going to need some tricks of the trade to make that person look normal. You know, versus, you know, someone who was... 74 years old and just passed away in their sleep you know they are they already look more like themselves than someone who unfortunately was in an accident that affected you know their face or or anything like that okay tell us about these tricks of the trade (laughs) tricks of the trade i mean there's a lot of them i i'm not gonna lie um i've been really fortunate to really only have had a handful of cases where we we needed some pretty serious restoration but wounds on the face um the first step's always going to be kind of drying it and try to you know close it up a little bit um and then sort of covering it up and that's when the mortuary cosmetics come in things like wax um you know, we can sort of wax things over and smooth it out. And then if you apply cosmetics on that and then blend it into the face, a lot of the time it's at least not as noticeable. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's People really can't cool. expect you to be like a magician. Like it's like there's yeah. only so much you can right. do, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. And that's the thing is, again, you know, people's imaginations, they think that especially if they had to like go in and see the person to identify them as, yes, that's my you know, whoever, um, and they had to see that, they're coming in expecting to see that again. They don't think that it's possible to make that less awful. (laughs) So they're almost always pleasantly surprised. Um, Sometimes it's still not good enough, and they will wind up closing the casket because they don't want anyone to see that person looking like that. You know, they want them to be remembered the way that they were yeah absolutely. Um, but there have been quite a few times where people just walked in and were absolutely shocked and that's you know that's one of those things that again makes it worth worth it worth everything yeah because yeah. it's probably like a great moment for them to put their heart at rest or their like whatnot right. to see like you look this is their person looks almost normal right after something right. really traumatic happened to them right so it kind of it makes Absolutely. you Sometimes as the better exactly it makes you as yeah. the surviving family member yeah feel better right. it's a good part of closure i think yeah part of what we learn in school it's called the the memory picture and it's you know it's a good selling point for for embalming it's like this is if if you did have to go to the hospital and, and id your brother who passed away in an accident and you have to see what they look like, you don't want that to be the last thing that you see them mm-hmm. looking because that's going to be stuck in your mind. So if we can reverse some of that trauma, you're going to be left with a better, you know, quote unquote memory picture. Absolutely. That actually makes really good sense. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. 
Yeah. I know, like, when my grandma died, she had fallen out of her bed, and she had this, like, giant, like, black eye, and it was terrible. Uh, yeah. And then died, like, a week later. And when we, like, I remember, like, my mom or somebody being like, oh, my God, look at grandma. And then when I saw her, I was like, it's gone. (laughs) Where's the black eye? And I was like, damn, she looks so good. I was like, she looks like she honestly it took 10 years off of her life like she yeah. looked like she did 10 years before she died yeah was she embalmed yes yeah yeah oh, and yeah, that's yeah. part of it too yeah the plumping of some of the embalming fluid will will get rid of some of those wrinkles <laughs> yeah, yeah it does yeah and like yeah. it's like a it looked like she'd had a really good facial a facelift and <laughs> a rest she, a really a good rest. she went yeah. on vacation to like cuba for a year <laughs> And, um, she wasn't... Got a little bit of a tan. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. she did. Well, and the, like, the light, right? Like, the light kind of creates this effect of, like, it softens all of the things, right? And you The lighting in the funeral home is very specific. I was going to ask that. Is that, like, really intentional? It's it's extremely intentional. It's a very soft, um, pinkish lighting because you... The skin tone... Like, if you... This, I don't, gosh, I don't want to sound, like, awful or, like... No, please do. please do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A person, if I do a person's makeup under, like, fluorescent lighting or even natural lighting, it's not going to look as good. Mm -hmm. You know, just like how if I did my makeup, it's going to look different in different lighting. Um, If you put someone under the pinkish lighting of the funeral home, it always looks 100% better. Mm -hmm. Uh, Always. Mm -hmm. It always does. Yeah. Um, like, seriously, like, someone could look like a cartoon character under the fluorescent <laughs> lighting, and, and then you put them in the, in the chapel, and they look totally natural. Right. Okay. okay. And that's the goal of that's the lighting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's really, no, and it was like, it was like that when I, and the interesting yeah. part of that too, which I just have to share because it made me think about it, was the last time I had seen her, quote unquote, really well, like, healthy and well and up and moving around was at a family uh, family reunion maybe like five years prior to her death and uh, that was the last time she was in a really good place and she was wearing in her casket the exact same outfit she wore that day but she looked better that day dead than she did five years prior it was a really like (laughs) mind fucky thing and I was just like mom and then I remember saying and this is where like you know we could get onto this and this would be a whole other episode but I was like is she really dead because mm-hmm. she looked better, and I was like, yeah. I think, I said to my mom, I was a little kid, just so you know, it wasn't like last year, <laughs> I was 10, um, <laughs> I said to my mom, I was like, are you sure she's dead? And my mom, being the pretty supportive mother she is, was like, touch her. <laughs> like, and she, yeah. I'm telling you, she's not sleeping, we can't wake her up. And I was yeah. like, you know, I was at an age where I knew death was final and all of that, but I'm like, she looks so good, she doesn't look dead. Sure. And so I think for some kids, like, it's really important that you're like, Oh no, she dead. Like, yeah. Yeah. She's all like, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, And I just, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Sometimes you have to touch the person. (laughs) I run into that a lot. A lot of people, they don't ask me at the time of, I don't know if maybe they have the thought and they're like embarrassed to ask or something, but. People say that to me a lot. They're like, can you just make sure if, if someone's prearranging, they'll be like, like, how do you make sure people are dead? And I'm like, oh, oh you're dead. You know and what I mean? Like, the, it's, yeah. It is a concern of people's. Um, and I, I don't know where it comes from, but I think, I think you're onto something. I think it probably comes from the fact that 
right? It's almost like you can't win. Either people look so good that it's unhealthy because then other people are like, are they really dead? Or they look terrible and it's like, my mom looks awful. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I did everything I could, you know? Yeah, you can't win. There's no, like, middle ground. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. It's just supporting that death denial thing like we were talking about. Like, the fact that you saw her and she looked so good that you had – uh, this momentary question of is she, is she dead? Like, talk about death denial, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's for real. sure. It's real. Yeah. But- but then also the mortician on that funeral oh, was probably that, like the mortician that oh. like heard me say that was probably like fuck yeah high five buddy oh, <laughs> high yeah, five with his buddies he's like you see that kid when families are like oh, she looks better than she's looked in years you're like yes I did it, <laughs> I did it. <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah it's no. very gratifying it is that's awesome and also I do agree and it was funny too because that same situation I said to my mom afterwards was she wearing underwear so I had a feeling she was wearing a dress <laughs> but I was like did they put underwear on her and my mom's like I honestly don't know and it yeah. literally took me to like two years ago and I actually asked a funeral director I was like I'm like an adult at this point I am in the death care industry and I'm like I blamed it on the kids I work with I'm like the kids want to know meanwhile I want to know do people wear underwear and he's like Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, in fact, if the family doesn't bring underwear, we we have, like, underwear at the funeral home we put on them. And I'm like, yep. that's so nice. Yeah. And he's like, I just yeah. like to imagine it's, like, a family member of mine. I'd want them wearing underwear. Absolutely. <laughs> Feeling secure. Unless someone specifically is like, do not put me in underwear, you're going in underwear. And yeah. we do have ladies who are like, they'll... If they pre-plan, they'll put all of their clothes away, and they'll be like, okay, kids, this is the dress I want. And then they'll, like, pin a little note to it, like to kids or to even to funeral director don't put a bra on me i do Good not you know. want to be buried in a bra <laughs> there you go <laughs> me i don't want to be buried in i don't want yeah. i'm gonna be buried naked but you know what i mean like yeah. no bra mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. please don't so while we're on the topic of of underwear and getting people ready for funerals um this is a weird question do you stuff cavities of people i don't Okay. I don't know where that comes from. Do I don't know it? if it's like a... What? Do you sew it? No. You don't do anything? No, we just, just leave them alone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I love that. Like I pictured it like a butt plug. I pictured like a butt plug, kind of. I don't... I know that those are or real things. I know, I know that companies make them, and oh. I'm assuming that some funeral directors somewhere use them, but I have never done that. Okay. I wouldn't want it done to me. I wouldn't want it done to my family. Like, it just, like, feels... Yeah. Interesting that that makes her... But she pulls out people's, like, carotid arteries. <laughs> and she's like, that's it's fine. True. I feel You're like right. I would have You're a better, like, right. easy... Like, it would be easier for me to, like, corkscrew someone's butthole than pull out their carotid artery, honestly. <laughs> I can see where... I can see where there's a little bit of, um, like, a disconnect there. <laughs> definitely right. Like, I should probably, you know, kind of take a, take a look at my... Uh, Nothing falls out of my those... feelings crevasses well I'm, but, okay but the only reason we say this is because we like we also talk about a lot of body positive um topics as well in the podcast so like periods and whatnot so say if somebody dies and they're on their period or somebody dies and they've got like a menstrual cup in, like what would be the process of removing it or do you just leave it or like well i wouldn't i wouldn't know it's there that's true. Right, because I don't that's go true. in there. Because you just, like, leave that whole thing alone. Yeah, okay. that's, I mean, like, I'll do a little bit of washing in that area for mm-hmm. the bath. 
but I don't know. It's such like a private area. Is, yeah. that I, I feel like I'm like invading, which is crazy. Again, like I'm literally opening people up, right? But I feel like it's just, I don't know. It's not dignified. This big like, goes in inside your organs, <laughs> but I'm not going to touch your anus. <laughs> <laughs> you get it. <laughs> It makes sense. Okay, got it. Awesome. Are more people wanting to be cremated anyways? I know we've really put the emphasis on um, embalming and burial with a casket. Are more people wanting cremation than that? Definitely. I mean, it increases every year, especially on a national level. Um, But it, I mean, it depends on like area too, uh, you know, like cultural diversity, Mm -hmm. uh, religious preferences. Like I come from a very um, traditional Catholic area, so our cremation rate has definitely gone up, but we're still at about 50, 50. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the national average is, is above that. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's, the interest is rising. Um, Yeah, I, I don't see it rising as much, but I think that's just because of the area that I'm in. Gotcha. Um, what, when people are planning for their, um, I guess death care in the future, what is the biggest piece of advice you would give them? biggest piece of advice I I mean I would I would recommend research like you don't I get a lot of calls from people who say that they want to pre-plan but they don't really know what goes into it and like Mm -hmm. it's like hello we have the internet like you can you can you I mean I'm happy to answer your questions but you can do a lot of research on your own also um and you know what are you looking for are you basing your decision off of price are you looking for a specific kind of service because if you want green burial you're gonna have to find a funeral home that knows anything right. about green burial right yeah um yeah. They, i've met funeral directors who think it's illegal not to embalm a body really which is insane to me because it's not the law um yeah. but they just have spent so long in the field with so much you know um they're boomers. <laughs> exactly. Like, they, they think it's gross, and they think dead bodies are dangerous, which they aren't. Um, so research, uh, getting, like, an idea of what your um, what you care about. You know, make a list of your like, what's most important to you. Priorities. Thank you. Yes, oh, yes, priorities. So get your priorities in order. Do research. Call a funeral home. So, like, especially for green burial, you want to find the right cemetery because not all cemeteries allow green burial. Find the right funeral home because not all funeral homes are going to want to help you with that. Um, things like shrouds and caskets. If you're going for a green burial, those things are usually handmade. They're fair trade. They might come from far away and you can't be involved. So you're going to want to have that on hand. Like order it ahead of time. And I think also pre-planning isn't just about like having funeral services pre-planned. You can also plan your dying, right? Like like you said, like sign your will, DNR, um, assets, put your next of kin on your bank account so that they can have access to your money mm-hmm. when, if you're not around anymore. Like those are all really important things to think about and no one ever thinks about them. Yeah, absolutely. Do you personally have a advanced care planning made document made for yeah. yourself like dnrs or no, like, no, no, like, no like your your care plan like do you have like a your plan. your not really death plan do you have your um funeral plans your everything oh, written down yeah. oh yeah yeah <laughs> okay. so um a lot of the time when we meet with people we do what's called the green form we take like vital statistics and social security and birth dates and i can't tell you how many times people are like i don't know what their social security is 
I wrote all that down. I wrote my insurance beneficiary social security numbers down. Like, it's all on there. But I have it planned start to finish, and um, I do have it written down. And are so, you going to have Do you want to hear about what I want? Yes, I do. Yeah, that was my next <laughs> question. It was, like, songs, like, outside, yeah, inside. Yeah, like, yeah. what are you doing? So I'm going to have a green burial, but I want a private viewing just for my close friends and family, and I'm going to be in the white willow casket from Passages because it's a beautiful it's beautiful oh my gosh it's gorgeous and then i want um, a green burial at my favorite green burial cemetery which is vale cemetery in schenectady new york and i want um and she was by the talking heads played and then i want um across the universe but fiona apple's cover and then i want a reception at one of my favorite local brunch places, it doesn't matter which because I have a lot, and everyone's going to go and drink mimosas and espresso and have brunch, and that's like, everything else is sort of do whatever you want, but those things are what are really important to me. Yeah, that's amazing. We have a whole episode, actually, on our our death plan, or our uh, afterlife plans, I guess, or our funeral yeah. plans. Yeah, like our, yeah. It's not advanced care planning. It's not death plans. Like I'm. It's just word. like your your wishes. Your for wishes. Our wishes. Yeah. And yeah, we yeah actually, funeral wishes. Yeah. Exactly. Um. We actually both created our own Spotify playlist. I listened to that episode. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I don't. So I don't have Spotify. I'm lame. I have iTunes. But I was like listening to it. And I was like, oh, I gotta look up that. Song. <laughs> yeah. Episode, you so should awesome. check it out. Check it out. Oh, you could okay. you could All find right. our um, Spotify accounts and just um. You don't have to have an account. Like you could just make a free account and then you could just look at them and see what songs we have. I would and, like that. Um, I'm gonna do that. M's are very like meaningful and lovely to her. Mine are all just ironic and like. <laughs> Like very funny and ridiculous. Like, don't fear the reaper by Blue Eyes. Yeah, oh, right? Like, basically, yeah. it's, like, all that. Yeah, like, hi, yeah. So, um, so that's really cool. And I, I guess one question, which is more um, meaningful for right now, is what is death care looking like with COVID? Like, how has that yeah. impacted the death care industry for you? And what have you noticed has changed um, when you're coming to help families with COVID in mind? Um, I think, well, it's gotten a lot more difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I mean, everything in a pandemic world is more difficult. Um, Most, it's definitely put more work on my plate, but I feel like it's impacted the families more than anything. Um, For a little while, we couldn't have more than, I think at one point, the lowest number of people we could have in the funeral home was 10 people at a Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. And so if you wanted to have a service, it had to be 10 people or less. And for a lot of families, that's not that's not even... If you have five kids and their spouses, that's that's everybody, yeah. you know? So even the, sometimes even grandkids couldn't come, especially people from out of state, you know? So it was really hard, and it made us rely on technology a lot more, which, you know, having a Facebook Live or a Zoom funeral service, obviously it's not the same, but it's better than nothing it's a little bit of closure right so it's yeah it's something so at least you could see the service um even if you couldn't be there so that was that was something we adapted to pretty quickly um but I think all in all it's it's just made it a lot harder for people to come together for the services Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's really you know if you sit back and look at the effects of the funeral service, like, yeah, seeing mom look better than she's looked in years is going to have a big impact. But for most people, the most important thing is having everyone together. Yeah. 
that's like the healthiest part is getting to be there together and tell stories and talk like that is seriously it's it's the healthiest part of it all yeah. is to share stories and, and make jokes um and so not having that has had a huge impact on people for sure Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then on the technical side too, like when, if you say you have somebody that comes into the funeral home who died of COVID, like, does that change how you prepare their body for a, um, like a funeral or embalming or whatnot, trying to keep yourself safe while also providing the best care for said person? Um, yeah, I'm not going to lie. It was really scary in the beginning. Um, we were, I don't want to say it's, it's lucky because that makes it sound like a a positive thing. Um, but we were pretty lucky for a little a while most people who had COVID for whatever reason a lot of them wanted cremation um but then after a while you know it hit our community pretty hard and uh it probably about doubled our call volume okay which was extremely overwhelming and we already had a pretty high call volume um but at one point we had doubled our like average calls for for a month you know normally we do like between like 30 or 45 and one month we were just under 80 holy okay so and by that point we were doing um we were performing embalming on on covid bodies um you know we just tried to be as safe as we could we double gowned up we double masked up we you know were the face shields gloves disinfected even more than we normally do but the practice of embalming is is designed around um, having clean things and having dirty things and knowing which are which. So if something's dirty, you're going to put it over here versus if it's clean, it's already over there. And so you're, you're already keeping safety in mind because we use universal, universal precautions no matter what, because you don't know what someone has. Um, so it, it, it made it scarier, but it didn't change too much about how we, we performed embalming or how we got people ready. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So I have one kind of last question before we let you give yourself a shout out. Okay. I want to know a little bit more about your experience. You did a um, Death Talk uh, Daily. You were on Death Talk Daily. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So tell me about that. The interview. Oh, yeah. Um, Well, that was nice. It was actually mostly over email, so it wasn't... No, they sent some questions and... um, I'm such a perfectionist. I think I worked on it for like a week straight, answering all of them to the best of my abilities. And it was, it was nice um, for someone to take an interest and have questions for me. And um, I absolutely love talking to people and and sharing my knowledge. Um, Even if maybe some people wouldn't like me sharing that knowledge, um, because like we talked about, you know, there is a lot of secrecy in the field. Um, I think it's super important for people to know what goes on um, if they want to. You know, I'm not going to shove information down anybody's throat, but if someone's curious, then they should know, Mm -hmm, you know? Totally. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. So how can people get in touch with you, Erin? Yeah, absolutely. So um, they can follow me on my Instagram, millennial underscore mortician. Uh, They're welcome to message me. Uh, I do get a lot of questions like this actually a lot of people who are just curious and they they know they can ask me and I'm always happy to answer cool okay thank you Erin so yeah so yeah we were so so happy and we feel very lucky to have had this chat with you and that you were so open and and willing to answer all of our questions and yeah. uh 
this was really cool. I really like this yeah, one. It was so, really cool. Yeah, thank you really so cool. much. I really can't thank you guys enough. You're you're awesome. I love you guys. I listened to a few of your podcasts. I'm definitely gonna listen to more. I think you're hilarious. Oh, oh thank yeah. you. Appreciate yeah. that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, folks, you know okay. where to find us. Yeah. So you can find us uh, on Instagram as well at Pod. You can also email us any questions or funny stories or death questions um, at lapetitemortpod at gmail.com. Um, you can find us on anywhere that you stream your favorite podcasts like Apple Podcasts or Spotify and whatnot. And until next week, uh, when in doubt, lube it out and, and ride right away. Bye.